Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Greetings, friends, and welcome in this Sabbath to our lectionary sermon. And we are covering from the book of Luke, chapter 3. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles... I believe this will be, once again, a very encouraging and edifying message from the Word of God. Yes, we're called to gather together every seventh day to hear His Word spoken, and we will learn something new as it is taught to those who are open to hear His Word through the anointing of the Holy Spirit and through those who have called upon Jesus Christ and have asked for His blood to wash us and cleanse us from all seeming unrighteousness, that we might have those spiritual ears and spiritual eyes open to be able to be healed, to be able to be cleansed from sins, to be restored and be made whole, no longer falling in that path of destruction, but strengthened by His mighty power, that same resurrection power that raised up Christ from the dead that may now live in you through not only the faith, but through the obedience and actions, as it says, faith without works is dead. How shall you being saved continue in sin? No, we confess and we, re- we turn against all sin and we forsake all sin and we learn to hate all sin equally, all sins. Whether it be something that is popular to be called a pride parade or whatever it is, we are never to call it something prideful, but only ashamed and no other word for it. And to walk in the newness of life, not in the oldness of the flesh and destruction of sins of our old nature, but walking as a true, full, and perfect example of His holiness and His righteousness as it's been proclaimed in every generation and will again be the way in this generation and that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Christ is Lord. So join us in that prayer. He told us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. By his glory, and by his power, we see those things all come about. More and more we'll see his kingdom law governance done on earth. More and more, just like it's done in heaven, we will continue to be encouraged that his kingdom laws which will not pass even not even one jot or one tittle will pass even after the new heavens and new earth it says in Matthew 5 yes will continue to be on earth and it will finally be fulfilled in the second coming where we will see all these prophecies all the tares are being burned 
and all the good wheat being brought into his barn. And not one prophecy or one jot or one tittle will pass from the law, even mm -hmm. after all the law, the national laws have been fulfilled. Yes, we know 70% of God's law is national, and much, much of that law has not been fulfilled. King David tried to do some of it. He still had lacked in a lot of it, but it's going to come in the end times. Like it says, Jesus said, we'll be a witness of the kingdom, and then the end shall come. And we're going to be that great witness of that kingdom law governance that he's given for nations. And we will confess and repent of all sins, including the national level sins, and pray for forgiveness, pray for healing, pray for even the land to be healed. As it says, many things like honor your father and your mother will be restored so that we will remember even our fathers, our fathers will remember their fathers and not to call them dishonorable things. For simply calling your law honorable. Calling God's law honorable. Yes, we are in a fellowship with God all the time. And we are to be praying without ceasing. So we speak as one church in his body. Prophetically. And this is his word that I'm speaking to you this day. And right now we have his things that he calls honorable. And it says what the Holy Spirit is going to do in the end times. Is he's going to make his law honorable. So we're looking forward to that time. It says the Holy Spirit will magnify the law, not throw it away. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith. That is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. But now once we are saved, we should continue to walk in Him, in that righteousness and holiness. And He gives us that example of what the righteousness is. And He tells us what sin is too. In 1 John 3, 4, we know what sin is. It gives us that definition of sin, so then we know what we should confess. And it says in 1 John 3, 4, sin is the transgression of the law. So any confess, any transgression of the law should be confessed. In our confessional life, we should be confessing transgressions of the law. So let's turn now to Luke chapter 3. I'm going to pick up at verse 4. And we're going to go through to 17, and we're going to start at portions here to digest and expound upon. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, it's the prophet saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of Yahweh, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of Elohim. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now many believe that this prophecy from Isaiah is talking about multiple comings of Elijah the prophet, and John the Baptist here in this passage was called the one of the times that the spirit of Elijah came, and it says he did come in the spirit of Elijah. But we're still awaiting. There will be the end times version of the spirit of Elijah coming, and like it says here, that all flesh, okay, not just a few, but everybody shall see the salvation of God. And all the 
hills will be brought low, and the crooked will be made straight. We're looking forward to see that happen, and that is coming. We are, we've seen a, a, what we call a kind of a down payment of this, this situation. We have seen just the early glory of it, but in the end times we're going to see that fullness of the glory. We're looking forward to it. And so in verse 7, there were many in, in those days who had killed the Sadducees and replaced the priests with Canaanites and Edomites and those who were just looking for power. And they got into the priesthood, they got into the church and were just trying to kill the true believers. And they perverted things and they sought to get the wealth, the gold and so forth out of there. You know, they sought to be those money changers who can just dictate what was going on. John Hycranus, the, the uh, king in the Maccabean Wars, king who had forced the conversion in about 100 B.C. of all the Edomite people. And the, they had been forced by the sword to convert to Judaism. That was a, right about the time the temple was beginning to be rebuilt for Christ to come back. And so there was an ongoing great overthrow of the true Judah people there with the false ones here that, as it says here, were of the generation of vipers. And there were many who were claiming to be Abraham's seed, but through Esau, not through, not through and they knew they were Edomites, okay? Even the Ishmaelites, the Arabs, they know that they're not Israelites, but they still claim to be Abraham's seed. They know they're Abraham's seed. They have genealogies of it. Okay, but only one, that's through the seed of Isaac, shall his seed be called. But praise Yahweh, there is still some genetic calling on the Edomites and on the Ishmaelites to do some amazing things but they are not the seed of promise. It says, only unto Isaac shall thy seed be called. Praise Yahweh. That's in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. So we're looking forward to that, to see, yes, those 12 tribes who are descendants of Isaac, his multitude of mighty nations, those Christian nations, as it calls them, his bride in the New Testament. Yes, his bride Israel who was saved 2,000 years ago, who has continued, their descendants have continued to be that chosen people and are going to, in the end times, suffer a little bit differently and we will understand those end time prophecies only when we know who the Israelites are. But to falsely call these generation of vipers who are out there, yes, it's they were maybe 1% or a few percent of true Israelites out there because we do see that about 39,000, something like this, of the true Judah, even came with a few mixed ones with them, from Babylonian captivity, it says, barely about 40,000 ever returned from Babylonian captivity to go back to Judea. Okay, and they were surrounded by millions of Canaanites and Edomites, as it says, generations of serpents and vipers. 
knew who they were. A lot of them knew, and a lot of them claimed to have some Abrahamic blood through Ishmael and through his descendants, and they were claiming it through Esau to have some sort of connection. And in other passages, they said, well, our descendants have, we are the tribe of Abraham and, or, you know, descendants, and that we've never been in bondage. Okay? Never been in bondage to anyone. Okay? And then that tells you there were people in those times who claimed to be descendants of Abraham and also claimed that their people had never been in bondage. Okay, well then that tells you right away they were not the seed of promise of the Israelites because 90% of them were at least in the Syrian, Assyrian captivity. That was the northern ten tribes and the Judah two tribes in the south. You have the house of Israel which was the northern kingdom who was divorced for their idol worship. They're the only ones who are called Israel. Judah and Jew or Jews in the Bible was never called Israel. It's a separate house called the House of Judah. And the House of Judah went into Babylonian captivity. The House of Judah was also in bondage in Babylonian captivity. Also, both the northern and southern, before they even became northern and southern, that only started in the time of King Solomon, and that they will continue to be two separate houses. Yes, we know that the two separate houses, Judah and Israel, will continue to be separate even after the new heavens and new earth, and even it says that he will make a new covenant with the house of Judah and the house of Israel. Two separate houses. But they also were all in ex the, the exodus, of course. Very few were not in the Egyptian captivity. But really, uh, yeah, you had a few stragglers who didn't go in there. There were some of the tribe of Judah who didn't go in there, but they were so far west. And some of them went to the corners of the earth already before the Egyptian captivity. But the ones who were all from around that land, they were in the Egyptian captivity. So... We know then who it's talking about, and it was not the Christian nation, and it was not Judah tribes. It was talking about really the millions who lived there, those Canaanite tribes, when it says here that who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come, you generation of vipers. Okay, verse 8. And then... John said here, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Yes, that's a powerful verse here. And it's to show, look, you know, they were, a lot of them, these sons of Abraham were mixed with all sorts of tribes like Canaanites and so forth. The forbidden ones, and says even for ten generations, their descendants couldn't enter the, the congregation of Israel. That pretty much means forever. But at least they can be like Cain. It says G Yahweh said that if Cain's actions were righteous, then Yahweh would, would also reward him. It didn't have.
have to do with his race, it had to do with his actions. You know, a lot of people understand that Cain was of that wicked one, or descendant of the generation of vipers, the genealogy in Greek, genao, same word for parents, descendants, genealogical descendant, genao, okay? That is the word here. So, those kind of Abraham descendants could be, you could pull them out of anywhere. They're going to come out of the rocks, you know, just like you see these Islamist radicals. You know, if Yahweh's looking for just a couple of Abrahamic descendants, he could just pull them out of thin air. I mean, he can pull them out of the rocks. There's, they're living there in the rocks out there in different places, and they come in, and then they do weird things in various countries around the world. You don't really agree with what they do, but, you know, they're still, there's a lot of descendants of Abraham, and that doesn't mean anything. I mean, a lot of people also understand that the Russians are predominantly the tribe of Ishmael, the ones who are unmixed. Okay, and that they are the pure Ishmaelites. So they haven't really mixed together with the Canaanite tribes like in Saudi Arabia and these other places that have no relation to the Shemitic branch. But they have mixed with the Ham and Japheth branches of the Bible those other nations, and even the non-Adamic nations. But we know that predominantly the Israelite tribes are found in the, not only the Shemitic, but in the, we should say, Caucasian, three main, four main branches. You have the Latin tribes, you have the, the Nordic tribes, and then you have Scandinavian peoples. Then you have the more Western Anglian tribes, and then you have the Germanic tribes of the East. And of course there's different denominations of each. For example, in the Latin you, you have Spanish, French, and Italian. Those are three major branches. So in each area there are major tribes of Israel. And we have to know who they are, and if you want to understand prophecy, you just look. Where did they have the Bible? Where were they converted? How much believers were there who actually had God's law? Because it says he's not given his law to any other nation. You know, for example, there's no Chinese names in the whole Bible, okay? And China never had God's law. They had other laws, and he, he has dealt with them in a blessed way to all the nations of the earth. Sometimes nations who are not of Israel have been punished for rejecting not only Israel but rejecting God's law because the true Israelite, the Christian nations, bring the gospel to these nations and they help them because otherwise a lot of them are stuck under the curses and, and, and so forth. Of Some of them are into nature religions and, and that and a lot of them were allowed to do that for a period of time but they're not going to get the fulfillment until they realize through God's servant people, 
his priesthood, his church, which is the way that he rules, will have under them the government that will be best for each nation. And that's going to be through God's law. And we don't have much, they don't have God's law in these other nations. And then there's a lot more problems in those nations. So we bring the good news of not only Jesus Christ, who has come to save the whole galaxy and the whole universe, you know, <laughs> and for all, for all nature to be restored where it has fallen. And on top of that, to bring his laws, which are to preserve us, to tell us that path of life. So while he can raise up those the seed of Abraham all over the place, that's not what we're looking for. But verse 9, it says, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And then the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, and what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, but be content with your wages. The people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not. John answered, saying unto them, All I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff will he burn with fire unquenchable. Praise Yahweh. So, we're looking forward to see that come that time that is what Christ will do did you do you remember him taking out all and burning all the wicked no he didn't do that yet you had the the two comings of Christ the first coming and the second coming the first coming he was the humble servant and the second coming he's the ruling lion and believe me he's going to uproot the, the axe is laid to the roots and right now, the fruits that need to be brought forth to prove we are who we say we are, are going to be these things that he has shown here, and that is to give to them, and to especially give to the body of Christ, to those Christians who are weak, who need that help. Those Christians who are being attacked for their beliefs at this stage, to really be driven off the face of the earth. A lot of them are, are actually being persecuted just for baking a cake that they're told that they must promote a blasphemous message against their faith 
by force, okay, or else they could be charged so that their whole life is destroyed, okay? So there's people who have to pay now millions of dollars because of these stunts of demonic-possessed people are attacking them under false pretenses. Right now, the, our young children even, at very young ages, still from this edict of Obama and his regime, the schools of the Obama regime, the young children are forced to go to these nude, where these nude and, and pornographic parades of pride, they call it, of sins, where, well, we don't teach that we should be proud of any sins, but actually all sins we should condemn and be ashamed of equally. That's our religion. But instead, they make the, abs the absolute extreme opposite. You have to be proud of it or else. And they teach it a whole pride month from Obama. Where you have to not only participate, you have to praise, glorify, and everything else. And if you don't, I mean, you know what kind of sick things are coming out of this? Psychologists have never been able to calculate the damages that one swoop of his pen to make Pride Month, as he calls it. Pride Month. What in the world is that? Pride in a sin. This is not even about a people. It's not even about a culture. It's a really, it's just force of pride. Okay? And if you do not have pride, then you're punished to have illegal and criminal things done against you for your beliefs. For the sole reason that you believe we're to confess sin and you cannot be a protector of the holy sacraments. That's our most foundational part of our beliefs, is you have to, when you're born again, you confess all sin and you turn from all sin to go live in righteousness and holiness. All sin. Every last one of them. We don't pick one to be proud of and others to be ashamed of. No. All of the liturgies, if you're going to be baptized, say, all sin. You forsake it. And all the works of the devil, you, you forsake all of it. That you're going to live a new life in obedience to his good, good laws. And you're not going to do what is bad anymore. And you're for sure not going to promote it and be proud and teach people they must be proud of it. No, not at all. But to say now, there's this, this several steps beyond what could have ever been intended of making a, for example, uh, Black Pride Month, Native American Pride Month, now all of a sudden, or now those are not even called Pride Months, I'm sorry. African History Month. Sorry, they were never called Pride Months of anything else. Pride is a sin, too. Just the word pride. So, there's never been a pride anything except until Obama came around. Okay? We have African History Month. Alright? That's wonderful. But to call it Mandatory Pride Month. This is total garbage.
you know, it's, a, it's saying sin. It's like saying you must bow down and kiss the idol. Literally. Okay, if you're a Christian, you understand that you're not supposed to have any pride, and especially not pride in sins. Any sins. I don't care what it is. But to say now that our children must also go and be a part of celebrating pornography, open in a parade, naked people dancing and doing abominations, which would have been a felony crime ten years ago in any any part of the country, okay, to say now you must do it, okay? We've seen the persecutions and the taking away from our people in a way that is just unbelievable. And what did Yahweh, or what did Yahweh through John the Baptist tell them in verse 14 for the soldiers to do? He said, do violence to no man. Well, what's, that's what, right now, violence is being committed against Christians. If you just say that you want the law to be restored, and, and there's only one politician who wants the law to be followed, Donald Trump, then you're supposed to be attacked with violence, according to many people. Well, the military is to help us to not be violated with these criminal assaults. And it says not to accuse any falsely, but be content with our wages. That's what soldiers are to do. I'm a soldier of Christ, of course. It doesn't really fall into their category at all. But this is talking about all of our institutions really, they should not be falsely accusing. And right now, yes, we see a lot of so-called martial law and, and kind of overreach of the government and soldiers and, and so forth, where they can intervene in people's lives in ways that have never happened before. I would say that we're again under like a military dictatorship. But heaven forbid it be on the basis of you don't celebrate pride in sins. Heaven forbid. That's the same as forcing people to bow down to idols and saying if you don't then you're going to be thrown in the fire like the, the four Hebrew children. Three Hebrew, sorry, three children. The fourth one was Yeshua who was with them in the fire. So it seems we are told do it or else. I'm not here to stretch anything. I'm here to speak very plainly. And right now, the assaults and the attacks have been doing violence and falsely accusing. And right now, it seems to be an absolutist dictatorship of this forced ideology for the young children. Something unheard of unimaginable ten years ago in any part of America. Very degenerate, uh, very anti-Christian, we should say. If they don't want to be a part of the church, that's fine, but they don't have to tell us to change all of our beliefs. 
There, we promote all to have their freedom and independence wherever they are, but don't interfere in our church and tell us we cannot be free to confess what every church in the whole world for all time has always taught, that sin must be confessed and repented from, not promoted, but to be ashamed of it and to show true penance, to show, show true humility with a humble and penitent heart and to ask forgiveness and get forgiven. And then you can take baptism if you've proven you've passed the catechism stage and you have learned that you must turn from all sin. That's in every church of the world. And if you're going to get access to the, the Holy Communion, you're going to have to really live it and prove it. If, you're, if you want to get confirmed as an adult, there's a, a normal liturgy to prove that you have taken these vows seriously. Okay? And you confess it before everyone. That you turn away from all sins. So God has given us all the victory. In every church in the whole world, that's still official law that you cannot partake of the communion unless you've turned against all sins. So we thank our Heavenly Father that these things cannot be touched. And if those who want to tell us that we cannot take or have the Holy Communion, that divine institution that He told us to have until He returns, then they're in deep weeds, you know, to attack the church in this way. We are to take of it in a careful way and take of it worthily. Paul said we must analyze ourselves, and if we do not, we will end up bringing diseases and curses on the whole congregation where we take it. Because each person has to analyze, confess their sins, and turn from all sin. And to place great value on it, not to take it unworthily, but to know that you are going to be like it says here, as we read here, that he's going to take his grain into the, to the barn. Okay? He's going to gather the wheat for it to be made into bread, but the chaff will be burned with fire unquenchable. So, either we're going to be in his body with the wheat. That bread is also called his body. We're going, we are all made one body in him, and we partake together of his flesh. It says, if you do not eat of my flesh or drink my blood, you have no life in you. And he says, well, if you saw the glory of what I was before, and what Yahweh is in heaven, then you would understand this and you wouldn't all forsake. Many who heard those words ran off. They didn't let him finish the sentence. Okay, that's what the devil likes to do, is get people in fear to run off. But there is deep truth in this to know. To know with absolute certainty. You are in that divine above all understanding of heaven and earth, in, the, in a body, in his body, and one with his church, who are all perfect in heaven, the ones who have overcome and have been perfected and no longer have your sinful nature because they are totally in heaven, and we are one with them. And when we take of that bread, we are saying we are, we are receiving that we are one with them, and we actually do feed together. 
as one with them, receiving that we are the body of Christ. And so, this is what Yeshua is doing right now. And the ones who will not be his body are going to be burned. That's what Jesus Christ will do. It says the fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor. Thoroughly. That's just a few here and there. There's going to be either people they choose to do what's good, or they choose to do what's bad. And if you just sit down with them and reason with them and ask them, do you choose? Because that gets down to the heart. What's their intention? What is your intention? Is your intention to do what is good? Or is your intention to do what is bad? Now choose. Are you going to start coming to Sabbath every week? He said every seventh day we're to gather together. Now, yes, there might be some trouble finding a good congregation nearby you that teaches the full truth. That's why we're here online on the internet for people who can't come to us and gather local, but can come online to broadcast and to share this uh, service with others and to call small gatherings together on Sabbath and have that 24-hour feast day to enjoy and to remember that every seventh day it's a day of rehearsing the great victory of that thousand-year reign of Christ when there is no more evil in the world. When Christ reigns, we reign with him. That's what we're celebrating. And if we're going to be in the first fruits, we will not see death. And we will be with him. And there are many who have died in Christ who will be resurrected first. Praise Yahweh. I pray that we can be counted in that number, in that great body of Christ. And I pray that we're all going to be regathered from the corners of the earth, like it says. Praise Yahweh. That I believe he's doing through these online broadcasts, we're able to reach more people. Praise Yahweh. We thank everyone who's listening at this time, and we just pray a blessing on you in the name of Yahweh, Yeshua, HaMashiach, our King, Jesus the Christ. May you be blessed and given a special portion of the Holy Spirit to be able to keep more of His commandments and to go more in His ways. Yahweh bless you. And looking forward till next Sabbath. Take care now. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.